Welcome back to another Doctor's Supercoach podcast. You're on this week with JB and I am joined by a brand new guest, Pistol. Brand new, JB. Is this because uh, after my week I feel like a brand new terrible Supercoach player? Well, <laughs> it wasn't for that reason, but if you want to make it about that, then let's let's go. How'd your week go? Not very well. <laughs> Thanks for asking, JB. I got myself probably into a few too many pickles. Um, yeah, I can't say it's undeserved when I, I traded in Rockcliffe last week to, I guess, avoid having to trade Crouch or Cornelio. So um, I managed to get in Rocky and we know what happened with him and his you know hammy woes this week. But um, besides that, obviously, I uh, have Rockcliffe on the field getting injured, not playing out the game. Cornelio getting injured, not playing out the game. Along with Petrocelli's 37, Lockhart's 32, Young 17, Neil 79, Boke 77. It was an absolute disaster, JB. Um, and I actually doubled my rank, which is a... Horrible fall, really, going from um, 1999 to 3.8K. Just a massive fall right before the buyers when you want to be doing the complete opposite. Yes, a horrible fall still staying within the top 4K. Bet you all those people right now outside of the top 4K are pretty much screaming at their phones right now. Well, they'll be ahead of me by next week at this rate. So, um, you know. <laughs> well, that's a nice and negative start to the podcast. <laughs> it's uh, going to be a dark podcast. <laughs> uh, I, I scored uh, just on the brink of 2,300 and I lost about 300 ranks to uh, 3.3K. So, I'm. Oh, now just even ahead you're of ahead of me. Oh, my God. I know. I know. So, you know your season's going ahead, badly. Yeah, you oh, might as well just quit now. Jeepers. Well, that's very harsh and. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we're going against each other and against ourselves already in the podcast. But we do have some housekeeping to take care of before we get into the team, the game-by-game -game analysis of the round. Firstly, we've got a lot of new patrons. We a do? A lot of new patrons. That's awesome. How, how many? Um, I think it's seven. Seven? <laughs> what a weird question. <laughs> That's the, it's not that weird. You said there was a lot. Was, yeah, but I'm not counting. I want to know how many. Okay, so <laughs> don't you have to give them a shout out, JB, so we can, and I'll count them as you go along. Okay, okay. So, firstly, we've got Jordan Venables, who's One. just popped into the, the Slack today. I'm glad you, this counter thing is going to go excellently. Uh, Aaron Goldie is our two. next one. Yep, that's oh, two. Goldie. James awesome. Cullen. Three. Yep. Kieran Basto. That's, that's four. Ben O'Leary. Welcome, Ben. That's five. Chris Phelps. Welcome, Phelpsy. That's six. Yep. And six then, comes up to five. And then there's one more, and I, I intentionally did the list backwards because this name would have been the hardest to pronounce. Uh, first name Nathan, so I'm pretty sure I've got that one right. Yep. Uh, surname Triandafilu. Triandafilu? <laughs> Triandafilu? I'm pretty sure you nailed it. That definitely sounds correct. So well done, Jamie. That is seven <laughs> <Definitely> people. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, look, if if it's incorrect, I'm sure I'll find out very quickly on the Slack because, I don't know, these uh, these new patrons seem to be getting in and, and getting lippy straight away, Pistol. Excellent. No, that's what we like to hear. It's been growing um, rapidly in the last couple of weeks. Maybe it's before the buy prep. Um, maybe it's before, JB, we, we probably should mention um, our cup. We're, we're doing our Patreon cup. Um, we're going to have, you know... Um, 128 people into a knockout tournament with a prize for the winner. Obviously, you need to be part of our Patreon um, before we make the draw, which will be done by the 
last round. Sorry, not the last round. That would not make any sense. Um, the end <laughs> of the buys. So the beginning of round 15 will be the start of the Patreon Cup um, where any person who signs up to Patreon will be eligible to join and play, JB. So any level tier will gain access into the Patreon Cup and have the chance at winning some prizes. So that'll be good. I'm looking forward yeah, to that one. lots of fun. Can I, can I be in the cup? Um, yes. Yes, you can. Excellent. So whoever has me round one, just getting automatic a round, two, round two entry. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it. I probably, yeah, I'm, I hope I'm still around by the bye. Anyway, JB, um, we'll go into the, oh, what's it called? The Cancer, Cancer Council. Council. Yes. Yes. Thank you. It was, uh, I was going to say that, yeah, the, the Cancer Council. Wait, no, it is the cancer count. I was, yep, I'm on a roll. Anyway, uh, (laughs) anyway, there was many uh, dumb things that happened over this weekend, and there were many donuts, which are unfortunate Mm -hmm. parts of the game, but all end up uh, going towards a good cause to the cancer council. And there was many donations, so um, we might need some extended time to read out all of these. Um, Firstly, two. Probably my favorite person on the internet at the moment, TK Olden, donating for Delights, which is a new one, and I love it. I would, if you, I don't, I don't know when it will ever happen again. If we say something that's completely out of there and it happens to go well and someone's followed it and is delighted, just like TK Olden, um, he has donated for, took a liking to Pistol's Wisdom and executed the main maneuver, Fire Tree Drew. That's massive. So... The context behind this is pretty funny because he he hit us up on Twitter and said he was trading in Maine, and I spent about an hour trying to backtrack out of it. Um, Your first reaction was very, very scary. Oh no, (laughs) this is good in theory. I'm not sure it's going to be good in practice, so I'm going to try and backpedal out of this before I ruin this poor man's season. Um, But you know, good on him. He went through with it, and you know, Maine will get into it. But Maine did score 124 super coach points, um, and looks is looking like he's going to make a quick 100k as well for him. So, um, great success. <laughs> um, so, thank you for your donation. Really appreciate it. Um, to Shane Marchione, I've, I've wrecked the pronunciation of the names just, already. Yeah, I'm not it's even... Real, I'm actually that's not going to That's just so bad. He's in the Slack, um, though. Slack like Shane, Yeah. No. Yep. With um, the profile pictures that we yes, appreciate. that's all we need um, to say. So, he's <laughs> donating donuts... Uh, for Will Setterfield and his potato-ness to play how he played in the GWS game. So that's a donation for donuts. To Eamon O'Toole, who loopholed Grundy's VC score with Burgess. Oh, no. Oh, he's in Slack as well. Yeah, he showed us these screenshots and I actually cried a little bit. So Burgess played, as we know, and he was on one at half-time. So I cannot... I can't even... Like... I know I had a bad week, but Eamon must have... I, I don't know if he had... He probably just didn't watch the football for the rest of the weekend after that, I assume. Um, cause that, I, I know. Like I think he, he said he was out of reception going into the round. So he didn't quite catch the teams, but set up his team beforehand. That's and then unfortunately returned to his team after seeing that. Very upsetting. Well, I actually feel a little bit better about my week now. So, that's Thanks, a positive Eamon. out of that. Um, the next to, to Goldie, to donating for dumb things and donuts. So, that's a, a double whammy here. Um, he had the VC on Grundy. So, he put oh, the buy no. and see. 
and did not put the E on Gorn and missed out on 149 points and copped a donut. And he was already 600th overall. So instead of being 445th, he's now ranked at 1338, which is still a great rank, but that is that is devastating. Um, Are we bad? Are we bad at this whole podcast thing? Because it seems a lot of people who, who listen to us seem to be making the same mistake. I reckon that's at least the fifth or sixth one that we've had a donation for this year. This this actually says this is due to JB and JB only. So it, it might, you're right, it uh, might be you. No, yep. that makes sense. Yeah, no, that um, checks out. The next one to Giorgio, um, big fan of the podcast. Um, donating for two dumb things, round eight VC on Grundy, scored 141 and forgot to move the VC. Sorry, sorry, forgot to take um, the C score, which uh, is what Mrs. Pistol did as well. And then this week, he had the VC on Grundy, and then he checked his team and realized that he forgot to put it on Grundy. Um, so Damn he ends up taking uh, a Crips captaincy and lost points and is not very happy, understandably. But thank you for your donation. Um, keep an eye on the VCs. This would probably just put on Grundy now. Um, anyway, uh, Kevin Aston Hoey for the Setterfield Donut and then a donate for dumb things as well for playing Lockhart on field over Answorth, which I don't think is really that much of a dumb thing given the circumstances of the previous week. Yeah, I think that's yeah, probably if he, like If he did the 50. reverse the week before like I did, then that's, yeah, that's probably worth a, do- a donation. Because yeah. <laughs> you've, you've, you've literally just fielded the worst option both times, even though they're, they're the opposite option of each other. It's just but you don't worked know out that's to a loss happen. of like eighty points. Yeah, I know, but you know, it's just it's bad just luck. Dumb. Yeah, is, dumb, is it, dumb is luck. It? I don't know if it's dumb luck. Donate for dumb luck. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> for positive and negative. <laughs> Liam George donates again. Thank you very much for a Trelaw subton donation. Bryce Mitchell, the great Bryce Mitchell, donating for two donuts on the field. Bryce, um, what? I don't quite understand the rest of the sentence where it says two on the field and five on the pine. But we're not we're not donating for donuts on the pine. Um, otherwise, I would have been in trouble this week as well. But Still, I, I do appreciate uh, the donate for donuts. Um, How does he have seven donuts this round? I have seven donuts this round, JB. So I, I get it. I'm in the same boat as Bryce. It, it was an awful round. I don't know what he scored, but I'm sure it was similar to me. So, um, oh boy. On, onwards and upwards from here, Bryce. And to Marcus Engerman, thank you oh, very much. Oh, there's still much. more donations. There is. It's there's there's twenty more. This is a long podcast, guys. Um, oh boy, you might want to skip forward for the next forty minutes. Don't don't um, skip forward. I doubt there's that many more. <laughs> no, this is the last one. But thank you, Marcus, um, for donating for your Zach Williams donut. Hopefully, he comes back this week. I don't think he will though, um, and you won't have to cop a donut this week. JB, please. Take us through the first game of the round because that was a, a very long and uh, we are very thankful for all of those donations, but it's, it's time for the round review. Actually, as you mentioned Zach Williams, I think it's important to say off the top of the podcast that a lot of what we say will be... It, it's sort of difficult to give great advice so far this week because you got players like Rockliffe, um, Matt Crouch, Patrick Dangerfield and Zach Williams and even Darcy Moore who are not 100% sure as to whether they'll play or not. Obviously, they're all very popular players, so uh, we're advising as best we know for those players. Uh, I think it's come out already that Crouch, Dangerfield, and Rockliffe are likely. Dustin Moore, we don't know, and Williams is unlikely, but everything could change in the next day or so. So I thought I'd say that off the very top that the advice might be 
um, a little different today than it would be in a couple of days' time when we know more information. But having said that, we'll jump straight into the first game, as you said, and that's Sydney versus Collingwood in this one. Start off, Pistol, with Luke Parker and someone that I doubt many people would have looked at at this point of the season so far, but he's putting up surprisingly good numbers and we've just got news that JPK will be missing at least until they're by. So Parker has all that midfield time to himself and side note, that's great for Heaney uh, with Josh B. Kennedy missing out. Parker has all that midfield time to himself. He has a good three and five round average. What are your thoughts on a bit of a point of different selection and is it finally Parker's season to do some <laughs> crazy damage like we thought it was five years ago? I'm not sure people are aware of how good his scoring has been. He has a three-round average of 131, a five-round average of 119.4. So I'm going to round that to 120 because it sounds better. But really, he had a low in round one of 86. Then there's um, the next lowest score is a 90, which is all right. Then a 98 and everything else above 100. So he's had a really good season to date. The problem is that round 13 buy is absolutely killer. That second buy round... Uh, I wish he didn't have that because he is looking like a, a really good POD, 1% of teams, and flying uh, supremely under the radar, JB. Yep, and I think that last midfield spot where a lot of people have, at the moment, Crouch, Canelio, um, uh, I'm trying to think of other players who are sort of on that range of being top 10 but aren't really at the moment. So for those people who don't have either of those two sorts of players it's really up in the air as to who could slot into that eighth midfield slot and you know some people are untrusting of Bonton Pelly some people are untrusting of Elliot Yo. so someone like Luke Parker if you're going to be taking a punt as it is he's had a great season today a big point of difference then you know in a couple of weeks time when he's he's coming up to his bye you've got one more midfield slot left pistol um, you want him to do an upgrade after that buy it's every chance that Parker should be coming into our cal- calculations it surprised me when you first mentioned it but uh, in theory not too bad <laughs> well in theory we'll move on uh, Jake Lloyd the next one scored 115 um, I still think he's break evens I think it's a little uh, I do need to double check actually but I've heard a lot of murmurs about getting him in this week, and I think he's just one of those players that if you don't have in your sides yet, there's just absolutely no reason to be waiting around. Do you know his price point and break even there, Pistol? Yeah, he's 560k, which is extremely cheap for someone of, of you know his potential. He's averaging 115 after all. Break even of just 77. So this has got the lowest. Uh, well, last week was the lowest you could buy him all season, but um, he's yeah expected to go up. Um, you know, another 12k this week, and it'll just continue rising. You'd think he's only had one score below 100 this year, and that was an 83. He is an absolute super coach machine. If you don't have him, this is one of those times where you, I know you got to look forward and towards the buy, but really he should be coming in sooner rather than later, JB. Yep, and each week you miss out on him. Uh, you've got a lot of people in the competition getting a 110 plus score on you, so. That is almost a guarantee. Now, Isaac Heaney, a score of 82 in this one. He's coming up to a low break even in the coming weeks, but really not someone that we can put a lot of faith into. JPK going out. Is it finally his time to put together a good few weeks here? Yeah, we'll see. I'll let you know in a couple of weeks. Would you be considering him as a trading option if you've got a, an empty forward slot, which obviously a lot of people do, and you don't obviously have Isaac Heaney? Because that F6 slot is difficult. 
I'll tell you after the buy, but at this point in time, he's barely done anything that's made me want to even talk about him. Um, so yeah, definitely not for those who don't have him at the moment, don't trade him in prior to his buy? I, I would wait and see how he goes um, over the next couple of weeks, see if he can you know, find some for me. He's had those couple of big games, but he's had so many poor games that... I really would be looking elsewhere, you know, someone like Mundy, who's just done a lot better for much longer over the, the course of the season to date. Yep, I think that's what on Mundy, great advice there. So we'll move on to the Collingwood side of things, and we've got to start here. Brody Grundy, an automatic VC option, I think, every single week, pretty much for the rest of the season. Another big score of 165 on the back of 64 hitouts, which is absolutely bananas. Then we'll talk about your main man, Chris Main. 124 Supercoach points, but you said a stat to me before the podcast about his upcoming opposition. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, I've got to try and now like backpedal as fast as I can about talking about Chris Main. But um, I thought it was amusing that in his uh, two-game sample size against Fremantle, he's averaged just 41 against them and obviously <laughs> comes up this week. But different role this year, which is uh, what I'd noticed that he is playing on the wing and getting a lot of the ball. The problem is you had to get him last week if he was a legitimate option. He's got a negative break even now and will probably only go up about 80k more from this point onwards, so it's not really worth a trade-in, but last week you were probably banking some good scores and you know a quick 100k, um, but yes, probably not worthwhile uh, looking at from this week onwards. Yep, and another player in the, the camp of the players I mentioned earlier, Crouch and Cornelio types, Adam Trelaw, not really stringing it together this season. He's got a three-round average of just 105, a season average of 108, so not quite cracking into that top 10. Uh, again, I think it's just safe to advise that he's probably not a trading option until we see that form turn around, and I think a lot of people did expect that form to turn around with Taylor Adams out of the side, but we just haven't seen it yet, obviously not going at a high disposal efficiency much at all this season. Uh, the next guy that we'll talk about, um, I guess, is Daniel Wells. He's out, <laughs> out for a long time now, Pistol, after his one return game. Oh, he was so good. He was absolutely carving it up. Three goals, 11 touches, basically um, in a half of football. And uh, unfortunately, he's got injured, and hopefully that's not the last time we get to see him because um, he's yeah he's a he's a special type of footballer JB so that was certainly upsetting. Um, Jack Madden played his first game for the year, twenty four supercoach points. I'd say let's move on and not really discuss him as a supercoach option. Yeah, I mean he's priced at three hundred k pistol. Oh, as I said, he's not really a supercoach option. <laughs> Why'd you mention him at all? It's just a, a name that people may not recognise, and uh, now they know <laughs> okay, not to get him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, does that does that price tag? Did that surprise you just then? It did definitely. Because I I had to look him up. I thought it was going to be around hundred k as well, but he he's definitely not. <laughs> Next game: Hawthorne versus Port. Um, <laughs> Jack Gunston back this week, and it's like the commentators put a reverse jinx on him, saying before the game how bad his season has been thus far. Obviously, your favourite player in the AFL kicks <laughs> six goals. Racked up 144 Supercoach points. Are you going to harp on about him being a point of difference option again this year? He's cheap, JB. <laughs> He's very <laughs> cheap. He's not been good. He's 435k. Uh, he's in 1% of teams. He's got a three-round average of 99, five-round of 90. Um, look, it's probably a pass from here, JB. Yeah, what? It's just way too risky. Um, oh, my. 
Yes, unfortunately. People do change. All right. Yeah, it's not. It's not time to be, especially uh, for 30k more. You can get Jeremy Cameron. Um, so it's probably enough said. Fair enough. Uh, James Sicily a score another sub ton this week. He's only really had one good patch this season where he went three scores above 110. Besides that, he's really been inconsistent, uh, very up and down, but still someone that I'm looking at uh, post-buy. So he has that first buy round, break-even of about 133 this week. Uh, so we'll play one more game on that break-even. Hopefully, if he shows signs of pumping back into that top six defense, then uh, we can look at him uh, post-buy to have throughout the remainder of the buy. So I think he's a good upgrade target there. Yep, definitely agree with that. Jack Scrimshaw, though, did cop an injury and did not return. We haven't found out any more information about that yet. So um, if he's not going to play, you know, it's an easy trade-out, especially if he's not going to play through the buys. And um, unfortunately, that's just a bad bit of luck for owners. Yeah, no doubt. Good bit of luck for owners who kept onto Xavier Dersmer, pumped out 108 this week. So someone that we can quite comfortably hold throughout the buys. He has that first buy as well, so... The one where I think a lot of people are okay with is the other two that people struggle with. And now we've got Dersma. Uh, obviously, he was probably a safe hold option throughout the buys anyway, but now that he's going to be making a little bit of cash in the meantime as well, he's probably just one of the easiest holds in, in people's teams at the moment. Uh, the return for Robbie Gray gave 89 supercoach points. Uh, played a lot of midfield time. Got 27 disposals, only kicked the one goal for the game. I just, for some reason, I don't see him keeping up that midfield time, and I don't think he'll be relevant for the season. I mean, that answers my next question. I mean, he's only priced at 390k, so that's very cheap, but if you don't think he's going to keep up the midfield time, and it's just because Wines is out and Ebert is out, I guess, um, yeah, then it's not worthwhile talking about. This next week could be telling if he plays a lot of midfield against St. Kilda, but still with Wines out, you know, that's what we'd expect him to do. But if he has another decent score, then coming off the bye, he could be a cheeky F7 option. But I'm not sure a lot of people are in that position to be uh, to making those sort of luxury upgrades at this time anyway. So uh, we'll move on. Travis Boak, 77 off 26 disposals, still getting all the touches that he needs, not quite getting the, the efficiency to put together good scores. I think it's a bit of a low period. He's obviously having a breakout season at the age of 33 or whatever he is. Um, I think the buy will help him sort of bounce back a bit, and I, I, he should go all right this week as well. But uh, do you have any concerns over Boke now as a top six option from this point forward? No, not at all. Good. I think uh, his disposal efficiencies let him down horribly in the last two weeks. I've only gone at 42% this week. Still the 13 contested possessions, and really, if you're doing that week in, week out, and cleaning up your disposal efficiency, you're averaging 100, or even worst-case scenario, 90, which is still along the lines of you know a top forward. So uh, zero concerns about that. I just think he's uh, going to be a good price for those that don't own him, and you just grab him after you buy, and you're, you're all set, JB. Perfect. Now, obviously, we're sweating on Tom Rockliffe's uh, inclusion in this week. Port Adelaide have said that he will fly up to China regardless. So, um, good signs. Why would you fly him if he's not going to play? Like that, yeah, that, that's, that's where it's good signs. I think Port have already said that they're flying 26 players up. So, that's... I don't know if it's an experience thing, but I'm, I'm pretty confident now that we're actually flying someone up. We wouldn't put him on a, a one-day bloody flight if he's, you know, got... 
legs that he needs to rest up and, and be rehabbing. So pretty confident that he plays. Well, yeah. I mean, if you either tear your hamstring or you don't tear your hamstring and it's a cramp. So like he was going big plane, as well. He had 25 disposals and he got injured into the third quarter. Begin, yeah, right at the beginning, and he tried to come back on, and it just could, got one tackle or one handball, and then went back off. So he was having a good game, which was uh, disappointing for me watching it. Um, JB, lastly, Matthew Broadbent, a score of ninety nine, uh, following a score last week um, of eighty. Um, he has a break even of negative three, so he's priced at two hundred ninety five k. Do you see him as someone you could make a quick hundred uh, k off? Last week, yes, if you were confident he would was going to hold his spot, but now you're probably a week late because I don't think now he's going to put together enough good scores. Um, we've got Burton, obviously, coming back into the team, plays his role better than he does, and then Hartlett is uh, due to fly to China as well, who is another player to just you know pop into that back line and, and steal some points. So I think it was a perfect game for him. Uh, obviously, Pretty much every single one of Port's high scorers for the week were defenders. You got Darcy, Broadbent, Houston, Jonas, all up there in the, the top five for their team. Top six, sorry. Um, it was just Hawthorne's way of shutting Port completely out of the game, and their defenders got a lot of touches. So I wouldn't be getting Broadbent from now. No, that's a good call, JB. Uh, anything more on this match, or should we move on? Laddams did debut, scored 66, 123k rookie. But goes straight out of the side when Lysette is named, so that shouldn't be an issue either. So we will move on to the next game, which was the Bulldogs versus uh, North Melbourne there. We'll start off with Dunkley Pistol. Another score of 130, back into the midfield, 29 disposals, 6 tackles, couple of frees, 4. Uh, didn't even get on the scoreboard on this one and just dominated. Is there any question, is there any doubt in your mind that he'll be a top 6 forward? No. I mean... <laughs> It's it's frustrating seeing him go as a midfielder forward, midfielder forward, and those scores, you know, fluctuating. But then again, if he's going to score one thirty every second week, that's going to average out to a, a good score for a forward. So um, I see no reason why you wouldn't jump on him after his buy if you haven't already got him. He's going to be a top six forward from here on out. So you better work out a way to get him in. Speaking of top players for their lines, Bontempelli's the next one. One hundred eighteen points in this one. Only the 25 disposals. Obviously, no huge disposal getter, but very efficient when he does get the ball. Is he now, after he's been doing it for longer than he's ever done it before in his career, having a season like this, stringing together good performance after good performance, not really having those low games, is he now, in your eyes, a guarantee for that top eight midfield? From this point onwards, I don't know if it's a guarantee, but I think he's roughly around that that mark, in which case it's a, a worthwhile trading option. JP, uh, there's, the, the thing is, I, I don't really think he's, this year, he, he, he's playing like completely different than last year. He's not really resting forward as much. He's getting way more um, center bounce attendances. And they don't really have, like they, they're not, I don't think he's, it's going to sound silly, but I don't think he's the first person that's tagged anymore, just because you throw him forward as usual and, I know he probably scores badly that week, but they've got too many other damaging dogs. Like you've got, you know, Dunkley that's back in there. You've got McRae still who... They've got 20 midfielders in that team pretty much at all times. There's so much going on. I I just think he's, it's a safer pick this year than than it has been in any years past. Just they've got that depth as well. So um, yeah, 
I, I'm I'm set on Bont being a, a good pick, especially for the rest of the season. He's, there's sample sizes there now, and um, I'll look to probably get him to finish off my midfield after the bye. Yeah, I tend to agree. I'm looking to get him as well uh, at that point. So, uh, Liberatore, 110 this week, got back into a decent role for himself and made it all count. A couple of goals as well, obviously, helped that scoring along. So, he'll be good to upgrade around his buy as well. Uh, now, we'll reset his break even down to about 60, so he's going to make some cash. Then we go to Caleb Daniel. His first score over 100 in the last three weeks. Uh, 21 kicks, eight handles. I think it's the, probably the simplest equation ever in anything ever is that when he plays in no conditions, no rain, no wind, no anything, he's pretty safe for a ton. But anytime you put him out in the in the weather, he's gets very free, gets very awkward for a ton sort of thing. So um, played under the roof at Eddie had perfect conditions for himself, obviously, tunned up. Last couple of weeks, bad weather, unable to turn up. Yep. No, I think you've said it pretty well, JB. Um, I don't think I would be... I, I'm, I, I'd be on the fence about getting him to finish off my midfield. I feel like there's at least... Forward you know, line. Forward line, sorry. I feel like there's at least, you know, Dunkley and Boak that people may not have got. Obviously, Tim Kelly and Dangerfield are in that mix. And um, there's a handful of guys who I think I would slightly prefer than him. But he is at a kind price at, you know, only 477k. So I can see the appeal. Um, JB, I just did want to quickly mention Bailey Smith um, was a rookie that I think most people passed on because of his um, elevated price at 180k. He's actually going to crack 400k next week. So maybe a missed opportunity um, for a lot of people. He, he's kind of just, I know he started the preseason injured and he was building into it and a round one score of 33 didn't really show much and no one was sweating that they missed him. And then a 66 in round two. Um, but after that, he's pretty much just gunned this season. He's got a, f- a five round average now um, of 86 and he'll end up making owners over 220k for the season. So it really has been one of the best cash cows. Yeah, and at an elevated price, he played no preseason and came in to round one with a, a pretty much an injury cloud over his head already. So not many people would have gone for him. And you know those who had the faith, he looks like he could even be, and this might be insane, Pistol, but he could be the best player of that draft class. Yeah, that sounds insane. But he could be. Yeah. I mean, it still sounds insane when you've got Walsh <laughs> in that same draft class. Exactly. And obviously, Rosie. Let's, let's not just... Uh... <laughs> okay. No, I'll pay that. I'll pay that. Um, <laughs> jump, jumping, though, onto the uh, North Melbourne side, uh, Goldie, a big 140, but still not uh, within the top th- uh, two Ruckman scores this week when, when Grundy and Gorn still outscored him. Um, which is kind of a sad set of his. Ben Cunnington, just a 99 this week, JB. So another another 29 touches for him. Do you still feel okay about him being a top midfielder? Not top eight. I think he, he'll, probably, he'll probably stay in the top 10, but this is sort of what I expect from Cunnington. Um, more scores around the 95 to 110 mark, less scores 120 plus. I don't know where this ceiling all of a sudden came from where he's doing it, you know, three, four times a month. But I think he had a hot start to the season and it will start cooling down just a little bit now. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be looking to trade him in. Yes. Um, Nick but Sean Larky, Higgins, though, I would. <laughs> Not quite. Nick Larkey uh, wasn't <laughs> really on track for a good score. And then 
fourth quarter, game is on the line. Bulldogs kick, you know, five in a row or something to start the quarter. Um, Lucky kicks two goals and, you know, sets up a, another key pass in the play that pretty much uh, swings the tide and momentum and basically scored all his points in the last quarter and ended on 77 supercoach points, JB. Yeah, good job by him. Now, yeah. um, can we Lucky. stop talking about this irrelevant North Melbourne team, please? Yes, please. <laughs> uh, the next game was Adelaide versus West Coast. We'll start with the Adelaide side of affairs. Rory Sloan, uh, tagged in the first quarter and a bit, we'll say, uh, still pulled out 140 because he was just a tackling and he's a tackling maniac at all times. But he also managed to kick a goal in that first quarter, so it wasn't really nullified and then was let off the chain and, and went crazy from there. 140, he's another player that's slightly under the radar and could be considered in our final midfield upgrade. He definitely could. He's just a man possessed at the moment. I mean... We worried about him getting tags, and Hutchings gave up. Even though he was doing such a good job, he just didn't tag him after the first quarter. I am worried in round 12, though, he does have the DeBoer clamp, and that will be an effective tag, and I do expect him to score poorly. And that's kind of right when people are probably looking at, you know, trying to finish off their teams. Maybe you can get him after his round 14 bye, um, but, yeah, it might be a... It might just not work out for people that are looking to get Sloan in. It is it is funny, though, that he got eight tackles and he still wasn't within the top five tacklers um, of this match, which is insane. That, that actually is insane, especially when the, the top three of West Coast all had double digits. That's pretty crazy. We'll talk about that in a second, uh, who those top three are. But yeah, with Sloan, only a couple of sub-tons for the year. We'll obviously get his third sub-ton against the ball, but... I heard someone say, I think he was up to you know, 38, maybe early on in the second quarter, and someone was saying, how is Sloan on all these points? He's just the epitome of a super coach scorer. Yes. And he's got that ceiling, and he just does everything that you'd want from your super coach play. He's got decent efficiency. He tackles. He smothers. He you know, gets amongst the goals here and there. He's a very contested player. Very good to consider. I think if you're... You know, if you get past that DeBoer tag and and have an upgrade option there, or you know, someone gets injured down the line, I think he's just very under the radar pick. Uh, we will move on. Rory Laird, ninety six, did go off in that first quarter with an ankle knock. Um, I I was very scared considering the carnage that had already happened this week. I think he was on about five points, and I was ready to actually delete my team. But came back on, finished on ninety six after a strong final quarter. <sighs> I think um I think that side pretty much sums up Laird's full season. <laughs> yep. No, I I don't own him, but uh, I'm I'm kind of scared uh, to even buy him at this stage. There's he's still around the mark, but there seems to be so many uh, defenders that are going a hundred plus this season that I'm not sure he might just fall a couple of points shy of that. I don't think I'm going to get hurt by not owning him this year, which is strange considering the last you know five years. Yeah, I don't love not owning him. Uh, sorry, I don't love owning him. He is consistent. I'll give him that. He does go 85 plus, 90 plus every week pretty much. He doesn't have that big ceiling that we've seen in the past. But I still think he'll just fall into the top six defenders because a lot of them have been you know, injured here and there and you know, put out randomly bad scores. And So I think he just accidentally falls into the top six, but I don't think it's a convincing top six year from him and. If I was a non-owner like yourself, then yeah, I would not be concerned not owning him at this point. Riley O'Brien did get over that 88 break, even with a 91 this week. If you still own him, 
I think it's uh, it's just I'm neutral on it at the moment. I think you're happy to cash in, happy to keep owning him. I did say last week about the whole if you've got binds in your forward line, then you're getting three donuts through the buys. Whereas if you got if you keep Riley O'Brien for that one round, you're getting one game back sort of thing. But yeah, it's I don't know if you want to go more into that or if I explained it poorly the first time. But I think it's I don't think he's a must hold just for that buy round. No, you explained it really well last week. Um, not so much in the last minute, but uh, <laughs> I, I definitely, I definitely, uh, I, f- I fear that sense when you obviously, if you're going to cop a zero, it's not worth just holding him for the extra twenty k. I would trade him to you know a Dunkley type and um, get this score and get the two more scores during the buys than you would have if you got Riley O'Brien and just got the one score out of him during those buys and. And cover for the season, I guess. Um, Brody Smith, JB, just a 65. I see a lot of people panicking. Um, people have short memories with Brody Smith. Uh, we've seen this before this season. Do they have short memories, though? Wait, yes. Uh, do they, though? He hasn't turned up in a long time. I mean, he got 96 last week. That's not a ton. Okay, he got 71 the time before, but then he got 94 the week before that. That's so this still is... not a ton. That's a whole yeah. month now without a ton. Yeah, but I'm, I'm fine. If my midfield, if my defender's scoring a 96 and a 94, I'm definitely not stressing about it, especially at somebody that we got for 330k. Okay, so, so here, here are these scores. 81 in the first round, which is okay. 97, which is great. 68 against Geelong, which is bad. Then he went on his hot streak, 104 against North, not exactly a formidable opponent, 110 against Gold Coast, same can be said, 103 against St Kilda, same can be said, 94 against Fremantle, which is a good score, then 71 against Port, not great, 96 against Brisbane, which is a good score, 65 against West Coast, he's inconsistent. He's had one hot streak throughout the year, and I think the people that are still defending this, you know, let's keep him no matter what, like riding through the bright buys, all that stuff, I think they probably have the, the the fondness of that hot streak of three games there, where he averaged you know 107. But that's it for the rest of the season. That there is only three tons, and he's put out some pretty bad scores, so he is prone to it. I just don't think he's going to make a lot more money. And you know, if you've got uh, look, it's hard this round because people have bigger issues, obviously. But in the next couple of weeks, I 100% justify trading him out. I mean, the next couple of weeks becomes the buy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could trade him during the buy if you're not copying a donut, but I probably. You probably. I'm happy to trade him to Sicily after the first buy. Sure, sure. I imagine people will need some warm bodies in that round 12, though. So. um, Sorry, round 13. So, yeah, well, you'll have to play it by ear. But certainly against Melbourne this week, there's no reason why he can't score well. He's seemingly going good, bad, good, bad anyway. Um, Millerow wasn't. What, as far as I could see, wasn't really affecting him. He was forward, um, Miller. Yeah, he moved forward in the the second quarter, I think it was. So, yeah, he didn't. It was just different. Um, anyway, I think West Coast is a tough opponent. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. In I think the I'm happy weeks. with people trading him out and happy with people keeping him. I'm keeping him myself. I'm not advocating to trade out. But if I had one less issue in my team and Sicily was prime now or. You know, I'd needed him to get to Whitfield this week or I needed him to get to Hearn this week, then I wouldn't have any issue in it either. All right. I do want to talk, though, quickly about Brad Crouch because there's a lot of things going on on the internet. 
um, <laughs> mentioning his supercoach performance. 80 supercoach points from 39 possessions. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are asking how that's possible. Uh, there's a couple of ways. Um, one, that's two marks, two tackles, which doesn't really add much to your fantasy game. Uh, secondly, 10 contested possessions and 29 uncontested possessions. That doesn't bode very well for your you know, super coach score. Jake Kelly um, had more contested possessions than Brad Crouch, and he only had 19 touches, so didn't even have half as many as Brad Crouch. Um, he had five clangers um, and went at 56% disposal efficiency. But what I did notice was in the key crunch time moments, Brad Crouch did not use the ball well at all, and he... Um, kicked it on the full one time. He also gave away a 50-meter penalty, um, which is just the worst thing that you could do in crunch time for Supercoach. You know, you're going to get some big minus eights um, for that. And really, he didn't do much with the ball. He just accumulated it. And, I mean, 80 might seem harsh for someone that gets 39 Supercoach points, but in this case, if you watch the whole game, uh, it's probably fair enough, JB. I think... A good way to explain it is how he said Sloan with his pressure acts, his tackling, his um, his contested marking, contested possessions, uh, getting on the scoreboard here and there. I think when you apply all those things to Sloan and say why he is such a good option for super coaches, um, you can pretty much apply the absolute opposite for Crouch. You know, none of his marks are contested. They're they're sort of on the wing by himself when he's just leading up and you know giving a bailout kick. Not many of his disposals, as you said, are contested. He doesn't really hit the scoreboard, doesn't get many tackles, and doesn't isn't there. Like he, if unless Brad Crouch has the ball, you probably don't even know he's playing. Whereas Rory Sloan, you know when he's playing, he's everywhere. Do you know what I mean? And 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 people were like, well, he had eight clearances, which sounds like a lot because eight clearances usually is a lot. But then you got to look at the rest of the game and think about how the scaling works. And you see Greenwood got seven clearances. Sloan got nine clearances. Ellis Yolman got eight clearances. Shuey got 11 clearances. Yo got eight clearances. Sheed got 11 clearances. Like all these people did equally as well as him in that midfield battle. So it's not so impressive. Like sometimes someone gets 10 clearances and they have the most clearances by like five and then you're like wow okay this guy got double more than anyone else but it just wasn't that case for brad crouch in this match no and yeah that's the, you you explained it well um he's like jake lloyd but he plays in the midfield <laughs> somehow seagulls in the midfield a bit but yeah in regards to what we do with him uh, those who still own him thing is, he's an easy hold until he's by but just like Brody smith he's not going to be in that top echelon of players in that position he's not making you a lot of money while he's not losing you a lot of money either um you can pop out you know the odd good score which you probably will do this week now that we've been talking about him but he's not essential to hold either if you need that cash to get to you know it's not really great for the midfield this week but even josh kelly his break even's 100 he's got gold coast this week he's going to go up a lot more money like if you need to make that jump then i'm fine with people making it yeah Okay, that's a good example with the the Kelly example. Um, you'd expect him to score well against Gold Coast, so that could work. But otherwise, I'm definitely an advocate for yeah. holding him until he's by Melbourne this week, as we said, and you'd expect him to score pretty well. JB, on the West Coast Eagles side, Elliot Yo again with another 115 supercoach points. 15 tackles, JB, which is absolutely insane, made up for a poor disposal efficiency of 55%. 
He was unbelievable in this match and clearly looks like he's going to continue this fine form. All of the West Coast team have you know picked up in their performances and Yo is just banging out the 110 plus scores. So he's looking certainly capable of fin- finishing in the top eight mids from here on out. Yep, 100% agree. Oh, okay, well. <laughs> he's just the sort of player where, you know, we've already spoken about the Bontepellis, the Rory Sloanes, the, you know, which which one do you grab? Whichever one you think you like personally the most and you think could has the most, you know, maybe the best value at the time, maybe the best, the high ceiling, whatever it is that you decide on. There are, there are about four or five players in the same boat and Elliot is definitely one of them, one that we should 100% be considering. Another person that I feel like we should almost get at all costs, probably after their buy, but Shannon Hearn, I didn't think played particularly well and still scored 112 Supercoach points. Like <laughs> he, With these kickouts, he's pretty much taking every single one, which is just ridiculous because he plays on and kicks it long every single time, which is an effective kick, and he's getting bulk points. Um, his disposal efficiency, again, at 84%. He had 25 touches, 22 were kicks, um, that's Super Coach Gold, and he's basically his floor is incredibly high just because of all these kickouts. Yeah, his floor seems like it's around the 105 mark at this point. It is a defender, averaging 116. He obviously had that big week last week as well. He's 600. He's pretty much he's 599, I think, or 599 and change. So he's pretty much 600k, and he's got a break even of 80 this week. So if you get him at the at the buy, you're probably getting him at around 615, 600. 20k so look it's it's you're gonna have to pay out for him for those who can't afford him unfortunately are are just going to miss out because he's so expensive and there's a lot of expensive players this year but for those who can get to him you just have to (laughs) he's so good he's ridiculous jb um i you were telling me a bit earlier well you were telling slack a bit earlier um about your little hutchings theory did you want to elaborate yes so uh not not exactly a theory here, because I'm pretty confident it's fact. But <laughs> but uh, since Maston went out of the side, Hutchings has really taken over Maston's role, which is to sort of fill the holes about a kick away from the play um, at all times, pretty much. Since he's done that, we've seen players like Shui and Yo and Sheed even improve their midfield numbers drastically. Like all of them are doing exceptionally well without Hutchings in the midfield. Um, the byproduct of this, obviously, and the most important thing, supercoach-wise, if it's not Elliot Yo's uh, success, it is the fact that he's not actually tagging anyone. Although he did go to Sloan in the first quarter, that pretty much stopped. And West Coast, after quarter time, I don't have the exact score, but they they weren't winning. Um, it took until the second half of them to sort of start getting on top of this game. And it's when Hutchings wasn't tagging Sloan that they really took over and the midfield started dominating. Like we, we see their top four players are all midfielders. So, um, and their f- f- fit, uh, sorry, sixth player is a midfielder as well. So they just tend to go better without Hutchings in that midfield. He's playing well in that new role that he's going with. It means that an opposition player isn't getting tagged. And when we look at the fixtures and everyone goes, oh my gosh, they've got West Coast in round you know, 14. Let's not trade him in now. It's not that big of a deal anymore. I don't think Hutchings would do that much tagging between now and the end of the season if Maston stays out of the squad. Well, there you have it. Uh, JB's take. I can't verify this crazy man, but uh, I'm looking (laughs) forward to watching over the next couple of weeks and seeing um, if it all comes to fruition. 
And it could be a week-by-week thing, but if it, if there was ever going to be a hard tag on any player in the league, you'd think it'd be Sloan for the Crows because we've seen how it affects him. We've seen how dominant he can be. He still dominated. The, the tag was dropped after the quarter time, and West Coast won. There we go. All right, let's jump into the next game. Next game was a snorefest. It wasn't actually. It was it was supposed to be a snorefest, but um, it broke open late. Gold Coast versus Geelong. And this was... I'm not even going to talk about Gold Coast for a second here. This was the Tom Atkins show. Oh, no. I'm just... <laughs> I'm disappointed because last week, uh, facing a zero, I had to trade him out um, to Atley, as we know how that went. Um, and, yeah, that's basically just bit me on the bum massively because... Because uh, everyone Atkins fielded him dominated. this week because we had about a billion zeros and Atkins dominated with uh, 15 disposals, 11 tackles, playing purely in the midfield... Uh, did kick one of the first couple of goals in the game, but that was out of a stoppage anyway. Looked amazing, and one of the byproducts of not having Dangerfield in your squad is players like this can pop up in the midfield and have games like this. And I think he had he was doing well when he got injured the week before last because he missed last week, and the week before that he got 87 playing a bit more midfield when Danger was parked up forward uh, after his injury. So look, if Dangerfield misses another week, Atkins is very comfortably on everyone's field, I assume. Look, as you said, he's been building with that midfield time. And if you still have him, I'm not sure how many people still have him, though. That's, that's the thing, JB. Oh, I know that's why you're talking about him. But um, <laughs> he's definitely someone that's now at least worthwhile holding for the next couple of weeks and just riding out all that extra cash. Tim Kelly, a big 140 score, which uh, well, you expected a big score given Dangerfield was out. And he came through the 140, which is awesome news. Um, Mitch Duncan has put together a very handy, I'd say month, but it's been going on for longer than a month now, JB. Uh, is he someone as well that you could see fall into that top eight midfielder category? Yeah, so you know we talk about all these players. Uh, I'm not going to name him again because I think I've done that about ten times this podcast already. But um, in that sort of eight to ten to twelve-ish range, I think that that eight to twelve range are going to be a bunch of really good players, unlucky to miss out on the top eight. Uh, or yeah, you know what I mean. But he will be one of them, and his hot streak has been hot. I just wonder how well he'll go with a full cat's midfield in there. Obviously. Um, Dangerfield missing the, this last week. The week before, he did play. Played okay in that midfield. The week before that, though, he was banged up and up forward a bit as well. And you know, We just haven't seen a full fit-firing Geelong midfield in a, about a month now. And Mitch Duncan's had a very hot month. Before that, he wasn't doing too crash hot. Five-round average of 126, so he's been very hot. He's over 600K, though, so he will set you back um, a lot of money. Jordan Clark, 85, which is a good bounce back. If you still own him, you could probably get rid of him at his buy. Um, Can I just Stewart, say quickly, again, Yes. Um, Mitch Duncan's five-round average prior to all this madness in Geelong side was 98. So five-round average for the start of the season, 98. Five-round average post all this madness. Like you said, is huge. So just just thought I'd note that he's not exactly a sure thing for one ten. No, he's not. Um, what was I saying before? You rudely cut me off. Tom Stewart, Stewart. eighty eight super coach points. Um, that's decent enough. Still, he's he's looking like he's going to finish in that top eight defender range. Um, JB Gary Ablett cops a suspension. Um, finally. He mm-hmm. has been yep. suspended. So, well, he's been offered a one-week game. I assume they're going to take it um, because I don't think they can get out of this one. But who knows? It's Gary Ablett. It'd be funny if um, they did. 
Graham Myers again, another bad super coach score. Time to cut him before he loses all the money that he's made you. And lastly, um, we've got now got the bubble boy, Darcy Fort, 51 super coach points. Is he an option for this week, JB? If he gets named, I think uh, Radaglia is a chance to come back in. Darcy Fort didn't hit the scoreboard in this one, so when he did go down, uh, when he did go up forward, he was actually clamped by Josh Corbett. Clamped Sorry. by Josh Corbett. That Chris seems Burgess. odd. <laughs> I got I got him confused as well in the last podcast. I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, that's that's just thing. I just spud Gold Coast players always just get confused in my mind. Speaking of Burgess, um, <laughs> forty one super coach points. Uh, it's better than zero, but not not by too much. Um, he forty points second half. Then you said he was on one point at halftime. He did. He did. He he that's came amazing. back strong, which which is what I was going to mention that. He's going to make it, you'd think, through the bye, given their lack of defensive options. And it just takes uh, one good game to string together. Um, and he'll start making money. And he's got that DPP flexibility. So maybe it's going to be a bolter-like situation where you just need to ride out all the hard times until you can you know, reap the rewards. Um, I do find it funny at the bottom of the page here, we've got Burgess King um, in a row. So, uh, yep, that's that's my pun done. Um, Corbett, 47 super coach points. Uh, JB, you can't really expect much against the Cats, so pretty much just His first on. time below, what was it, 60, wait, 59? Yeah, like 50, 55, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he's all right. Yep. He just does little bits. Um, <laughs> does little. <laughs> bits, little bits. <laughs> no, 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 I heard you. I heard what you meant. Uh, take us through the next game, JB. Oh, geez, not a lot of uh, relevancy on Gold Coast side. No. Um, so we will move on to Richmond versus Bombers. And I don't know about you, but this could be the most irrelevant Supercoach game for the whole entire season. I definitely disagree with that statement. Uh, I suppose I missed Batcher Hurley. You missed like five players. <laughs> well, we'll start with Hurley anyway. Um, he's up in the top eight at the moment of defenders. Uh, probably higher than top eight. He's averaging over 100, but... 142 Supercoach points this round, and I did call this in the preseason pistol. I did shout out that he was a sneaky option this year when he is fit, but that is the question. Is he going to be fit for the rest of the season? My immediate answer is probably not. Uh, On that basis, I'm not even considering him for selection. He's averaging 106, JB. He's got a five-round average of 112, and you're not considering him. As a defender, he's 500K. He's already been injured at one point this season, let alone he's looking at his career injuries. He just always gets injured. So does Josh Kelly. So does everyone in the Richmond team at the moment. They've got a hex on them. Yeah, I don't really know how I feel about Kelly. I know that he's a cheap price and... Kelly. Not Kelly. Not Kelly. Cooley. <laughs> um, Kelly's definitely not cheap. I feel like you could you could, you could could do worse for taking a punt on oh, someone for sure. such a high ceiling yeah. and a good buy and a good price. Like uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say don't get him. I just think uh, I would do it. Do what you want. No, um, don't get him. Liam Baker was awesome. I think this was always going to happen with uh, Lambert out. It was uh, predictable to that he'd score very well, and you just got to ride him out now while he makes that money and trade him out at his round fourteen buy, which is perfect. Um, Bolter as well, same thing. Eighty-three points, sixteen contested possessions, an absolute beast. Coming into his own as an AFL footballer and as a super coach catch cow. Again, you just need to hold him until that round fourteen buy and then trade him. JB, I'm a little worried 
for playing Bolter during the buys. It sounds funny because we were terrified for the first five weeks, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, playing him through the buys, and then, sorry, playing him at the beginning of the season, and then now he's starting to get our trust back. But this is such a Bolter thing that will happen. We we play him in round twelve. He's got Geelong at the MCG. He probably scores thirty. Let's be honest. And then next week he's got Adelaide and Adelaide Oval. That's probably not going to be much better. So prepare for disappointment, but also um, it's like a lucky dip. You, you never really know what you're going to get. Um, JB, owners of Sydney stack, 67 points this week. Is it a trade or hold situation? Uh, this is very team dependent. So I assume Sydney stack isn't anyone's biggest priority to trade out. He's still scoring fine. Not going to lose much or any money um, in the coming couple of weeks. But he has reached a price point where he's not that far away from a few of those big dogs. So um, if you can you know, somehow swing him into another line and, and make an easy upgrade or... you know, Sydney Stack might be a lot of people's best cow at the moment. And for that reason, I think he's been spoken about as a trade-out option. I think the safest thing to do is to hold him throughout the buys and, and trade him afterwards because he, he seems to have a good ceiling. Uh, sorry, a good floor, and always goes around you know 65 plus mark. So in that instance, he's not going to lose you much money uh, in any given week, and his position is safe in the team for the buys. So yeah, safe thing to do would be hold him. But if you do need to absolutely cash in on his money, then I could justify that as well. Yep, no fair points, JB. I, I do think that it could be a play just to hold him until his buy. He's got that last round 14 buy, which is so perfect. And as you said, he'll, he'll put up decent numbers throughout the buy as well. And he's not going to lose you much money um, from now on until the buy. Maybe it'll go within you know 5K um, of his current price. So I definitely don't see an issue. If you if you can't make a jump to a you know top-line primo, I wouldn't try and cheap out just for the sake of trying to trade him because holding is certainly a legitimate option. Um on the Essendon side, JB, Zach Merritt, uh, just the 104 points, but he did have 30 touches and 15 contested possessions. He went 56% disposal efficiency, which is what hurt him with that, that seven clangers as well. Uh, do you see him, JB, in that group of you know top eight potential midfielders? Nope. <laughs> you hate Zach Merritt for no reason. No, oh, I mean, I, I don't hate him. I think he's a good player and... I think his best is up there in the entire league as, you know, a very, very high benchmark to set. But, you know, he just feel like he's consistently scoring low tons and occasional sub-tons and very occasional big scores. And I think a lot of people get caught up in those big scores and, you know, I think he's got an amazing ceiling. But the fact of the matter is Essendon aren't very good and <sighs> Merritt's not very consistent. So I'm just not considering him. I'd rather... You know, take the punt on someone like Bontempelli, who's still scoring 140 even when he plays half a game forward. I mean, he has had five scores, so half his games above 120. And so what, what are the other half looking like? Ah, uh, some low tons. There, sounds, sounds like my inconsistency option uh, thing that I'm talking about. Yeah, but those the 120 is a big scores, and you know, it averaged out. I think the biggest concern is uh, Shield did go down with an injury. Um, we don't really know if that's bad yet i don't know how long he'll be out for if at all but in round 14 and 15 he has potentially a hutchings tag if he's tagging by then and then the DeBoer tag um and if shield's out then he'll definitely cop it so might be one just to stay away from unfortunately just with the timing of the buy just or just anyway because he's not that good (laughs) 
so harsh on Zach Merritt. <laughs> He's had a completely good, fine Supercoach season. A good, fine Supercoach season. All right. I'll take your word for it. We'll move into the next game. <laughs> uh, it's Melbourne losing to GWS. We'll start on the Melbourne side and... Wait. What? Wait. What do you mean? we got to we got to quickly talk about the fridge. I like how there's a blank. Uh, Josh Begley, 160k, uh, 59 supercoach points, is on the bubble this week uh, for Essendon and with Stringer's um, hammy completely iced up and most likely out. You'd think Begley has somewhat decent job security, JB, and, and he should get games throughout the buys as well. The scoring potential is not quite there, but certainly an underrated forward option for this week. All right, can I go back to talking about Melbourne, please? Well, you, you can if you want. I've, 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 I've made my peace <laughs> with the fridge. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, I mean, priced highly. I don't, I don't even think he's in the top three of downgrade options this week. And, you know, his job security is very good and is very promising, and especially with Devin Smith out as well. Um, he should be fine. But, yeah, I wouldn't be considering him just due to that low ceiling that he t- tends to show. We will move on to the next game. And it was there were two players for Melbourne versus pretty much the entire GWS team. The two players were Max Gorn, who just continues getting it done, and... Harrison Petty. No? <laughs> I was going to say Jay Lockhart. But... No, he didn't show up. I knew that because <laughs> he was on my field. No, Marty Hoare, 116 Supercoach points. The gift that keeps giving... He's incredible, and I can't believe he's only had four marks in this one because it felt like he had 20. He had a very, very good first quarter and a solid second quarter, and that just meant that his first half, because of the blowout, was just like ticking over and getting scaled up, um, I guess, throughout the whole match. So he couldn't really go wrong when he's on you know, above 70 at halftime. He just did all the right things. Um, people may have complained that he managed to score very well off not that many touches, but he just does the right things. All of his possessions are pretty much intercept possessions. He had about 100 he spoils, spoils. Yeah, yeah he spoils. He, 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 all those defensive things you know, add up. So that's that's how the game works. Well, I, so, I don't even have him in my team, so I was sitting there getting frustrated, but I wasn't getting frustrated at the unfair scoring. I was getting frustrated that he was getting to every single con- contest and GWS kept on kicking it in his direction and he kept on spoiling, kept on doing those little pressure acts. And even though I think it was only four disposals in the second half for you know about 40 points, which obviously doesn't seem right, but he was bigger than that. And you know the fact that I said I can't believe he only had four marks pretty much says it all. He was tremendous in that game and only outshown by Max Gorn, who obviously dominated. Now, yeah. on the Demon side, before we move on, uh, Lockhart... I think he's unlikely to hold his spot. So uh, for those who are carrying him at the moment, he's actually made more cash than what we could have possibly expected and somehow stayed in the team longer than what we could have possibly expected. So I think we cut our losses there if he is dropped this week. Otherwise, um, I think he's okay to hold. But just seems like an easy switch down to um, the Brisbane lad. I can't remember. Hinge. Hinge. Well, yeah, yeah it, it was kind of an unfortunate situation that Lockhart was on uh, my field and wasn't on the Melbourne field for most of the game. Um, so, yeah, just 32 points. Just frustrating effort. Has a break-even of 70. Pretty much time to go. JB, Oscar Baker, though, actually put in 
a good performance. I'd say he was one of Melbourne's better players on the day. Uh, just the 57 Supercoach points is my worry. He did have you know 16 touches and the game was a blowout. Um, but did his performance make you want to consider him as a, a downgrade option? Yeah, it actually did because he was way better than what the, the score showed. So after his first goal, I was thinking to myself, all right, he's had an okay game. And then I looked at his score right before his second goal, and he was on about 40. And I was like, how is that right? And then he obviously kicked another goal as well late in the piece and found his way up to 57. But he just seems to be building as the games go on. And if he holds his spot, I'm not sure exactly who's out and who's keeping him in the side. But I think he's doing more than enough for the coach to be liking what he's seeing. And yeah, I don't mind him as a downgrade option, even though he hasn't scored great. Yeah, Uh I don't mind him either. I think Melbourne, if they keep losing, you know, they're going to have to play youngsters. There's pressure on all the players to perform. They're just going to be a rotating door the whole season. So it's okay to get players from these clubs because they just have really high, you know, turnover. And you'd think people like Lockhart um, are probably going to be, you know, maybe out earlier um, before him. And Melksham's been injured as well and Salem's out so it's just going to be there's going to be lots of ins and lots of outs but if he performs how he's he played this week he'll definitely hold yeah no doubt and the next player is Clayton Oliver who I don't even really want to talk about he gave away so many silly free kicks um like jogging back to the the middle and just punching Josh Kelly in the stomach out of nowhere uh luckily he didn't even get a a, didn't get a week for that one he just got a two thousand dollar fine um match review panel has already Decided on that one, so that is lucky for us owners. Um, but th- this was just DeBoer at his best, and I'm glad that he's gotten over the DeBoer game now and not in Supercoach finals or something because it's just an absolute lock for a poor score against that midfield. Well, I don't know why you're worrying about Supercoach finals, JB, if you're not going to make it. Whoa, okay, I'm ranked higher than you, buddy, but we'll move <laughs> on to the GWS side oh, of things. Depressing. <laughs> Josh Kelly, 148 Supercoach points. A typical Josh Kelly game with 31 disposals, hitting the scoreboard with a goal, getting up to 10 tackles, getting over uh, 10 clearances, uh, sorry, contested possessions, um, and just doing Josh Kelly things. Just, uh, I can't even even talk about him without salivating a bit here, but he has Gold Coast with 100 break-even this week. He's already like 640K. If you don't get him now, then yeah, you're, you're in a bit of strife. I don't want to talk about Josh Kelly. Can't, can you get him in this week at least? No, I'm I'm never getting Josh Kelly. I, I, <laughs> he killed me last season. And then this season when I wanted to get him in that one week, he was a laid out. And I'm like, okay, I've learnt my lesson. I'm not going for him. Instead, I'll trade in Rockliffe, who I've got in seven times over the last four seasons because he <laughs> keeps getting injured and I trade him in. You learnt your lesson over Josh Kelly and then just decided to go back to Tom Rockliffe. <laughs> At I least one of them has like an incredible ceiling on like the best team <laughs> in the comp. The yeah, Rockliffe one... scored like you know he's he's had his time of scoring two hundred as well. Oh, jeez. Just uh, yeah. All right. Let's well, those who don't else, own like him Lockie and can't Whitfield. get him in, <laughs> those who don't have him and can't get him in, are going to be hiding behind their couch uh, during their game against the Gold Coast this week. I think. Probably, the I'm going to have to do player. something like bring in Jeremy Cameron for this week just so that I can <laughs> watch the game. You can at least watch Josh Kelly and kicking it and sliding along the wing, and then at least you're like, oh, thank gosh, he's kicking it to Cameron. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to have to do that just to get through that one, this one week. <laughs> oh boy, well those uh, he's he's probably the only player as well this week who can 
possibly think to rival Grundy's vice captaincy claims. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about that uh, probably on the Thursday podcast. But Fine. let's say uh, Lockie Whitfield was getting tagged by Corey of the Wagner Variety and 115 <laughs> Supercoach points. He, he's unstoppable. He, he's honestly unstoppable. Yeah, he's a, he's a AFL unicorn. As he can, he's just there's no player like him in the league with his endurance, with his ability to kick, to handle, to mark, to tackle, to he put another couple of goals. Like he can just do everything. And you're right, he's unstoppable, untaggable. I don't think it was the hardest of tags. I think it lent sort of came off a bit in the second half of the game where Lockie Whitfield freed up, but still, it's just yeah, he he just does incredible things. He just outworked him. He got free. I this mean, is the week for him as well. Players. Obviously, he has the same matchup as Kelly. That would make sense that they're in the same team. You you could vice-captain Whitfield as well. Easily, I yeah. Think. Against like, Gold Coast. Yep. And his break-even's now down as well, so you need to get him this week or you're in a bit of strife. Well, he's 556K with a break-even of 46. Yep. So... He's potentially, you know, going up 30, 40K just this one week. So you have to get him if you don't own him. He could hurt you so much uh, if he puts out another 170. Um, JB Canelio, my favorite player. He got the corky in the second quarter. Pretty much, I think he got one touch after the corky. He, he, he went onto the bench and he was riding the bike and he came back on the third quarter, got a touch and then ran back off. Um, no, he played out. He, he ran around in a circle. He didn't actually get a touch. <laughs> um, I mean, he, he no, nah, he played mostly. He forward. kicked a goal. He kicked a goal. Yeah, kicked a goal. Then, got a few touches, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't he, he the did, same. He did go off. I think it was halfway through the last quarter and didn't come back. So I don't think he finished the game. He only had the sixty nine percent time on ground. But he um, uh, what to do with Canelio? Well, we'll, well play you know, probably. No. What, what do you do? Probably push him to M nine and. At the end of the season, and we'll upgrade around him. I don't think. It's I don't, I don't think a lot of people out. have that same luxury, though. If, you know, if you're looking at not a lot of luxury trades by the end, but maybe you can afford to do one now. Say, for example, he misses this week. Would you oh, then? God. <laughs> I mean, we know how GWS. So would you then think about trading him out, considering his performances thus far? I probably wouldn't. Um, he's still got. You got Stockholm know, syndrome. Oh, no. <laughs> about Josh Kelly? Jeez, you're just clinging on to Canelio uh, from dead. He's the ceiling's there. Um, the the ceiling's there. there. The he's had there. one one ten plus score this whole year. Yeah, it was like 150. Yeah, it was in ceiling. round one. It was a long time ago. <laughs> when he wasn't injured, I'm hoping that he uh, he just doesn't. He look, his hands was okay, but he's got the corky in the second quarter, so we just need a clean run of health for players at GWS. Pretty much all of my GWS picks this year have gotten injured um, when I started with Green. Don't get Kelly, please. Yeah, Canelio, Kelly, Zach Williams, geez, they all have got injured. Maybe I'll just... Toby Green as well. Stay away from GWS players forever. Um, Yeah, all right. I don't want to talk about GWS anymore. It's depressing. Well, the, if that made you depressed, here comes St. Kilda vs. Carlton. Oh, God. So um, we had Robbie Young play his second game. Did he? Did he play? He scored 17, which is probably incorrect. He kicked one out of bounds in the fall when he was already on 17 and didn't go down at all, so that's, that's something. But he probably won't keep his spot, and... 
he's not a good bubble boy this week. If you didn't trade him in, you just got not even lucky, but you just got normal because you shouldn't have traded him in this week, just gone like we all did. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's depressing look, stuff. Come on, let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, it it is depressing, but. I don't know. Using the DPP swing, I could cover Zach Williams, and if I, you know, it's because to upgrade more, and I could um, get in Young for for Rob, um, Riley O'Brien as well, and I could cover my forward Dangerfield. So I thought I was, um, you know, saving two potential zeros and using all the swings I could. I end up with a seventeen. I probably should have just copped the zero because um, now I'm going to be in trouble for the next week. I'm just playing catch-up every week, trying to cover all the holes. I feel like I'm on a ship where it's like leaking, and I'm just like putting my fingers in all the holes to try and stop it from leaking. Um, and uh, okay, yeah, the okay. ship's going down anyway. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, bad bad analogy, <laughs> real bad. Um, so <laughs> Matty Parker, 75 super coach, is going to... He's a yo-yo, but he might start making a little bit more money um, when those 25 and 30-point scores get out of I'm his pretty much okay with he scores never them. trading him out until I need to because he's just going to score 30, 30, 70, 70, 30, 30, 70, 70, and just never change that much in price. Just never field him. I think that's the goal. <laughs> I did this week, just gone. <laughs> oh, God. So you got, I might have to do this coming week as well, but, <laughs> oh, geez. Well, you don't it's know what you're going to get. Yeah, life yeah, is like a does. box of Matty Parkers. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Callum Wilkie, for those that still have him, um, 78 Supercoach points. He's still going to make a bit of money. I don't really know when the best time is to trade him. I'd say now if you can get, like, Whitfield, but if not, maybe you can just hold him because he's got rock-solid job security and doesn't really score too poorly. Um, so a relatively I've safe I've got three for you, option. Pistol. You've got three what? Three players that at one point this season we've thought are premiums that are worth holding on to. They all play for St. Kilda, and I want you to tell me what I do with these players around these buys. Firstly, Jack Billings. Okay, so the problem with St. Kilda is they have the first buy round, so you're stuck with them now. Like You're going to use them throughout the buy. It's a luxury trade at the end of the buys to get rid of them. Okay, well... Just tell me what you're doing with these players or what your thought process on these players are at least. So Jack Billings for starters. You, look, you try and move him to F7. <clears throat> that, that's that's pretty much it, if you can. Next up, Royal Marshall. You, you try and move him to F7. <laughs> so, um, so I actually, in terms I actually of trading these players Marshall. in as well, like you don't have to be an owner. Are they off your radar? No, Billings don't obviously get, is. But. Don't get Billings. Um, Royal Marshall's still not off my radar. I think this was just, you know, sometimes you have good Supercoach games, um, sometimes you have bad ones. He played all right. He just had a bad Supercoach game. 34 hitouts. A lot of them were sharked, so he lost a lot of points. Uh, nine contested possessions and, uh, well, yeah, 61% disposal efficiency. I think he was okay. A 76 is one of his lowest scores for the whole season, his second lowest, in fact. I'm not really scared off Rowan Marshall. Um, I, I'm still considering him, but I'm less enthusiastic about it. Uh, I, I think, you know, it, it could change next week. If he comes out with 110 against Laddams next week, everyone's going to be like, oh, well, probably get him after his bye. So, yeah, <laughs> def- definitely not off Marshall. That's rough. Um, <laughs> okay, so I, I I don't know if you saw my tweet, but... Um, I, I wouldn't, okay. I wouldn't, okay, wouldn't sure. listen, to, sure. listen to your... Anyway. Tweets. Anyway. Yeah, right, get the insult <laughs> out of the way so I can talk again. Um... <laughs> He reminds you of Nank. 
as yes, I disagree. He's he's played almost no games in his career and then come in and just been soul ruck straight off the bat. And as I remember with Nakivis, he averaged 102 up until round 10, which is just past this year, and then 79 afterwards. Marshall's averaged, um, I, I can't even remember what it was up until this round just gone, but now has his first bad score of the round. I just think he's going to hit a wall. I think those rucks coming off of very limited game time in their career now are trusted with the, the sole ruck duty, not just dual rucks, but they've got it all to themselves. I just think they hit a wall and it, their scoring just not stops completely because Nate still scored tons afterwards. But the the average for the second half of the season just doesn't get near the first half. No, that that's that's fair. I, I, I think I don't I disagree that he's, you know, not an option to consider because even if he did average seventy nine from here on out, because of his price is only at like four forty K, I think that's not all bad worst case scenario when his, the upside is obviously you know 100 plus so which is huge as a forward so I, w- I wouldn't I'm not yeah I don't think it's the worst punt to take but I can definitely see him you know averaging 80s from here on out and being disappointed by that yeah I just think it's, it's one of those be careful things um, he's obviously going to be at a low price until he has a couple of big weeks in a row maybe just wait for one of those big weeks and then I want to get that score JB Nah, see, I, that's just so risky to me. Anyway, <laughs> is, I'll go on is. to the next one. Jack Steele, another sub-ton this week. Uh, not really getting it done. And I think he nope. can be put in that bracket of Canelio, Crouch, uh, etc. Yeah, I'd be more inclined to trade Steele than yep. Canelio, probably because I own Canelio and that's one of the biases. So, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll jump into the Carlton side of things. Uh, Cripps was back this week with 116. Could have gone higher if Carlton were better in that final quarter, but they kind of faded out. Sam Walsh, back to 93, uh, back to his 90-plus scoring ways. He's going to yes. be fine. He's going to be <laughs> fine to have around the buys as well. Yes. But he's not essential, Pistol. If you could get Walsh to Josh Kelly this week, and that's the only way you can get him in, would you do it? Yes. <laughs> so there's there's reason to trade anyone and there's reason to hold anyone. Uh, Walsh, obviously, it's it's been fine to hold. It's been good to hold. Um, I think having traded into Josh Kelly a couple of weeks ago myself, I'm also not upset about it. So we'll go. What's the reason to trade out Josh Kelly? Huh? I don't know. I think didn't you just say there's reason to trade anyone and reason to hold anyone? Anyone that you bought in as a non-keeper. <laughs> Boy, you're you're in one of those moods. <laughs> Stocker for those who traded him in, uh, repaid the faith, faith, faith. Oh geez, uh, and scored sixty four this week, which is sixty four points more than what Atley did. So, just thought I'd point that out. Not, not ideal. Thanks, thank you for that. Yep. <laughs> uh, and Gibbons another sixty. Can we trade it out whenever the hell you want? Because that's what he's going to do the whole time. Uh, Case, Jeez, watch, watch that potty mouth, JB. I don't know if that was a potty mouth. <laughs> do you reckon that'll get beeped? Do you reckon Cheezo will beep that? No, I don't think he'll listen. I hope he point. does now. Hope <laughs> he he does. probably has given up about <laughs> He's half an hour ago. Out. All right, well, to get through this, we're going to go on to the next game. Fremantle... Wait, can, I, can I first just no! bring up that Walsh got 93 points? Oh. I just, just, let's, let's, I've got this, uh, I've got the Cancer Council donation on the line with Chizo. So uh, okay. the running tally is Walsh on 93 average, and mm. uh, I've taken the overs on 90. So let's uh, keep it's going. the overs on 90. 
clearly you don't listen to podcasts until when no i missed i missed this last one this is interesting until until when what's uh, is this for the rest of the season no it's till the end of the buys oh okay okay so so only only three more weeks to go so i've hit the lead early which is sounds like my super coach season and he's just played st kilda and carlton were competitive and he's only scored 93 yes they have a good run so okay. that's why I tailored it that way. I'll take All you right. for it. You stopped Let's me for see. that. That's that's insane. Fremantle versus Brisbane. <laughs> Luke Ryan again this week. Tends to do this every time they get a home game. 131 Supercoach points. Now, you posed this to me pre-podcast, and it did make me think Luke Ryan versus Sicily, but it's more looking like Luke Ryan versus Sicily and about 50K. What are your thoughts about them coming off of that first buy? <sighs> Oh my god! It's Every tough, week, isn't it? I don't rate Luke Ryan, and then he just keeps scoring well. <laughs> He's like, amazing. Maybe I'm gonna have to rate Luke Ryan. It's just he, he came off an 85 and an 80, and then went 131. The guys had three scores above 130 as a defender, which is a huge ceiling. But I mean, it's it's all balancing out, you know, to a good average. But I really dislike any player that's going to put out 80 scores. If I could avoid that, that would be awesome. But Try finding yeah. a defender for your D6 that doesn't <laughs> would, put out I'd occasional still 80. Sicily. I'd still yeah. pick Sicily. I just like Sicily more than Ryan. Um, yeah, maybe it's the hair. <laughs> well, you're going to go with the, the redhead over the, the blonde? I mean, when you put it like that, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Charlie's Angels situation. Oh, boy. Anyway, well, before this gets too nasty, we're going to go on to Nat Fife, 126 Supercoach points. Um, he isn't exactly blowing the price out of the water, but he's up to 600k now. If you don't have Fife, his buy is next week, so he's going to be a good one to upgrade to after the buy if you trust his body. Monday the same, a 92 this week. He's getting pricey for a forward, but he's probably worth it, Pistol. He's just doing what he's done for the last decade. He he only had 23 touches, but he had 15 contested possessions and 12 clearances. He's, incre- which, he's an incredible player. Now, this goes back to that point of uh, when I was saying the next highest on Fremantle was five with six, and Mundy had 12. So when you have that many, you're going to score pretty well. Um, yeah, he's, he's going to be right up there in the top forward, so I would certainly look at him. Uh, J- <laughs> JB, wow. we mentioned him before. No, I wasn't saying cheese. I was no, saying I Connor. Heard that ch- Co- Co- Connor. No, I heard the ch- Blake Blake Lee, uh, sixty-nine super coach points. Mm. Not quite the thirty possession midfield dominance display that we were kind of hoping. In fact, he played off, you know, kind of that half back. Uh, is he going to be an option this year? Yeah, I'm. I'm sort of surprised that his role is what it is. But I think Monday doing what he's doing is sort of forced Fremantle's hand there. Um, I, this just gets me excited to get all sorts of hyped up for him next season when he's still defensive eligible and he's at a decent price. So I don't think he's an option this year. I think they're going to ease him into it more than what we expected. Um, his body obviously has had numerous, numerous, countless issues uh, over his young career so far. So I expect him to play that not as friendly role at halfback and, and sort of just tick along. He'll get some good scores and some average scores. That's about it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like if we see him play, you know, like two, three games in a row in the midfield, then we could jump on. But yeah. I don't think that's going to happen before it's upgrade time. So maybe he'll drop down to like 400k and you could get him as your D7. If And then if he starts playing midfield, you just win. 
That would be nice, yes. Yeah, I think uh, that's probably the case. Um, Brett Bewley played his first game, JB. 49 Supercoach points. Uh, were you disappointed, or do you think that he could hold and is a viable, going to be a viable option in the future? Um, he, sh- he should hold. His dis- disposal efficiency was good. Anytime he used it, he was clean. Got a couple of tackles as well. Um, he, I think, I think he does hold. I think they give him an okay run at it. I'm interested to see how he goes next week because you see him play and he does better than what his score suggests. He's he's one of those players that you know you watch him play for a full game and you oh Billy had a good game and then you look at the score and it's oh it's just a 49. So see how he goes next week. I'm not gonna. I think the jury's still out on this one. Yes, and I would like to mention uh, Rory Lobb is getting a little bit of love. Um, in the super coach community, he does have a five round average of 97, three round average of 110. Um, and he is a ruck forward at 478k. But, JB, Uh-oh. and there's a big but, mm-hmm. his next three opponents are Grundy, the Port Adelaide combo after the bye, which uh, restricts Ruckman points, and then Gorn. So, probably the three worst matchups you could possibly have. All in a row. And he did get an, a slight ankle knock as well in the fourth quarter, so we've got to sweat on his fitness as well. So, yeah, I wouldn't be going in lob as an upgrade target, but no, good draft target. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, if you've had him for the last couple of weeks, I know uh, Tabo um, in my team pistol uh, has had him and just been reaping the rewards as he's been excellent. Uh, I've got a, I've got a stat line, for you, actually. pistol. Oh, no. Sin- okay. Since round seven... Yes. Dane Zorko has averaged 120. Yes, I did read that online. Lockie Neal is averaging 112. Yes. Nice. Not not great <laughs> for Lockie Neal owners. Um, but, but, I mean, consider it at 112 is a great average to have. Like, I'd be happy. I think I'm more, I'm more focusing on Zorko. He's averaging that much since round seven, which is obviously just the four games. Um, he, he could be one of those options where we, you know, we spoke about the Mitch Duncans and the, the outsider players. He could be in that list as well, but he's going very under the radar this year. I mean, he does it. He did it last year, where he scared off all of his owners in the first six rounds by averaging Yeah, 55. maybe that's his thing now. <laughs> Just start the season Just start slowly. really poorly for no reason, and then go bananas for the rest of the season. That rhymed. Yeah. Look, he could he could be an option. I mean, you'd get him after his buy anyway. Um, I think there's probably other people I would target before I target Zorko. Uh, speaking of Brisbane options, again, Daniel Rich, another ton. Like... He's averaging 100 for the season, JB. This is clearly an effect of, you know, he's taking kick-ins as well. Um, this has helped his scoring enormously, kind of in that Shannon Hearn-type mold where he just has a lethal foot and just, you know, womps it um, out of the back line. He, he must be a worthwhile target as well. Yeah, right. and, and I think he's growing on me every single week as he keeps on doing it because I keep on expecting him to score poorly. I think I had him a few years ago when he was at, I think he was priced at 300k to start the season and it really turned me off of him because of just how inconsistent he is, how bad he is with a tag. But as we've seen with Shannon Hearn having a career year at 49, those players that are profiting from the kickouts like, you know, Rich and Hearn and a few others are just tend to not have as low a floor as what they used to. So I think Rich, 
each week he's growing on me, but I still can't see a scenario in which he gets into my team, in which he gets into my team. Mm. Well, yeah, he's he's just been great this season. He has a five-round average of 99.6, an average of the year at 99.8, and a three-round average of 97.7. <laughs> he's very consistent, isn't he? I mean, he's not put in a bad game, basically, for the entire season. So... Surely at this stage, coming up with a run that includes Hawthorne, Carlton, St Kilda, Melbourne, he's just going to be putting in those tons. Yeah, and you just can't rule him out. Um, we'll go on to Lockie Neal, averaging, or not, sorry, not averaging, scored 79 against his old mob. I think this was just a one of those games where he was playing away to his old team. They didn't didn't exactly rough him up, but there were a couple of free kicks that I think were uncharacteristic for him. He only gave away the three, but two of those were in the matter of uh, you know thirty second period, and I just think he just had a couple of moments that kept his score lower than what it would generally is this season. I think it's now going to be perfect that he's not going to be six hundred and eighty k his buy. He's more going to be six hundred and sort of twenty k his buy. So uh, for those who don't have him. Uh, I think he'll just be one of those good upgrade targets around that time. Uh, Mitchell Hinge, 73 supercoach points, helped along by four free kicks, four and a goal. Um, probably looking like the best upgrade target, uh, sorry, downgrade target this week, um, mostly due to the fact that there just aren't any good downgrade targets this week. <laughs> well, look, he only had the 14 touches, so he wasn't like a massive ball winner. And as you said, he got given four, four of those touches by those four free kicks. I don't think he'll be a player that I'd want to have on my field. I probably would still prefer Answorth on my field if I had to choose one of them, but I'll certainly settle for you know bench cover um, throughout the season. I think Lockhart has got a break even of seventy to hinge is a very straightforward swap, and you can you know just take out you know one hundred and forty k or or roughly that. Um, JB, if you had to rank now that we're at the end of the round review. If you had to rank the top three downgrade options, uh, which where would you lean? Oh boy, um, Hinge would be number one, I think. Uh, probably Oscar Baker number two, and I only put four at three because I don't think he'll get named, but I, he's a decent option as well. Who did you he's say? My Fort. Three. Fort, yeah. So what about someone like uh, Hately, if he's named this week? Oh, I mean, yeah, just throw that in there last second. But yeah, I mean, if H- if Hately's named, then he's just, yeah, he's a very easy cash grab. So it's just hard because you want them playing every single buy week. So I'd still go with the best job security option. I, I don't think I can go any Hately anymore. It's Jeez. tough. It's it tough, would be though. nice to have on my field during the buys. Yeah, but he, like he's got to play one game and go back out again. Unless they get a long-term injury to Cornelio or something like that. Obviously, sorry, I didn't mean to mention Cornelio there, but um, do you know what I mean? Like, he, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> don't want to. I don't want to jinx anyone into an injury here, but um, <laughs> no, these these players are my specialty. I've already got Atley, and I've yeah, that, had the young. That's so true, I but... like. It's one game in, uh, one game out. That's, do, you, uh, do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's just impossible Rockley. to pick knowing the buys. If he was. You know, coming off the buys and happy to pick him. If he was, you know, four or five weeks ago, then happy to pick him. And just now, it just seems like you just need every trooper that you can get. 
So people that don't have much cash, they don't have Lockhart. So they've got the Dersmers, they've got the Hawes, um, they've got the Sydney Stack, they've got the Baker. So, I mean, they have got a lot of cash, but they've got no real option that's available to, I guess, I guess they can downgrade it this week, but it would be unconventional to downgrade them. Would you be dropping a Dersma this week to upgrade a Sydney Stack to like a, a Lockie Neal? Like, would you be cutting the, the cord that early? No. So it's a, a hold your trades type of week yeah, scenario I mean, in that case. You, you're talking about two players with different buyers, but good buyers for different reasons, um, and cutting them while they still... I mean, Stack's pretty much capped out his money, but Dersman's going to make a bit more now after that last score. Um, and they've both just got immense job security. Like, you'd want to be getting... Uh, there's just... I mean, you... You'd want to be having to get Whit, uh, sorry, Josh Kelly or Whitfield and you can't get them any other week sort of thing or it just take a lot for me to consider that. I, surely these people, I mean, I know we're talking about a, just an example here, but like even if you have to go early on, somebody who hasn't peaked in their money-making so far, like Atkins just scored 115. He's at 280K, although you know in a couple of weeks' time he's definitely going to have made 30K or something. I'd still rather trade someone like him, I guess. It's hard, isn't it? it well, it is. I mean, I, I probably also wouldn't trade Atkins. I just would hold my trades. Yeah. I think, like, um, that's, yeah, just, some people were just, just forced. save it and then you use them, you know, use all your trades throughout the buys and you've got next week as well to downgrade and um, get some cash for the buys. And would you recommend like using a trade if you're still carrying someone like Bailey Scott um, to just get a warm body? And perhaps get nah. hinging or something. I don't think so. Just I'd rather do that right before the buys. I know you get you get three trades going into the first buy round, so into round twelve, um, and most people only use two a lot of the time because you don't need the like you're not really upgrading that round or you you know you're getting kind of a war chest so that you could do two upgrades the week after the buy um so maybe mm. you could just get in a warm body with that third trade and maybe trade out scott then just so that you know the person you're trading is actually going to be playing that week yeah it, it, it's yeah i think it's obviously team dependent but there are a lot of instances where i can see holding this week a lot of instances where i don't mind people using their full war chest and you know going two down next week and none up or something it's just yeah i think there are there are a thousand different scenarios we could throw out and you know what's easiest, Pistol? Just jumping in Slack and, and getting in the Rate My Team section and, and just giving us a real personal look at your team. Well, yes, except for the fact that <laughs> there's no right answers and we're not quite sure until we get all the information for the rest of the rounds. I think it's that type of week. We need to wait on all of the updates, Dangerfield, Williams, any of the rookies, see if Young's going to actually get another gig and... Um, even if Drew's going to come back and so on and so forth. So there's a lot up in the air. Dusty Moore as well. Atley will be um, back. I'm calling it right now. Atley? Yep. All right. That seems like a big call. Is that uh, just gut feel or? Just just leaving it there. All right. For the Cancer Council? Um... <laughs> Look, I, I've said if Atley doesn't play... By the end of the buys, I know you've missed the podcast, so you, you won't know this. If Atley doesn't get a game um, and, f- until well throughout the buys, doesn't doesn't play once, I'll I'll donate again uh, for dumb things for the to the council council. 
I, I actually did mention the podcast that you might want to match me in doing that, but uh, you you didn't listen, so I'll go. <laughs> you didn't know that. <laughs> I'll be busy, okay? I'll go one up. I'll really? I'll say if he's not named this week, so before Port's by, <laughs> then I'll I'll happily put in put in some money for donating for dumb things, as in a dumb call of me just locking in the fact that he's going to play this week. Okay, fair enough, and that's uh better than what I offered, so perfect. Well, good win for the Cancer Council. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, Alright, is there anything else that you want to touch on, JB, or is it podcast over? <laughs> I think it's podcast over, Pistol. Unfortunately for the listeners and for ourselves, as we love each other's company, that could be the end. An hour of 35, that's, that is longer than I expected to see when I, when I looked at the time there. Look, sometimes we just get Chad and JB and it just <laughs> continues on. Um, if you'd like to uh, message us on the Twitter sphere, you can find uh, myself at pistol underscore DRSC, JB at JB underscore DRSC, and Cheezo with a Z underscore DRSC. <laughs> I, got, I got memed hard for that during the week. Why do we always say Cheezo with a Z? How, like, is there any other way to spell it, really? With an S. Yeah, but no one says that's. No one spells cheese with an I, S. I, I kid you not. Like the first five people that inboxed us when we first started, all no. spelled his name with an S. No, like legitimately that happened. So wow. Um, since you didn't, uh, since you didn't listen to the podcast last week, we did look up uh, Cheezo with a Z on Twitter, and they have all of his. How followers. much did you go so, through on this podcast? How have I missed it, so much? It was six hours. <laughs> that's why I didn't listen to it I probably heard the first three hours and I was like oh jeez alright well you know what I'm, I'm going to listen to it tomorrow I'll listen back and then I'll come with a bunch of cool pop culture podcast references next next podcast pop culture podcast references love it JB thanks for uh, having me on and I look forward to chatting with you soon cheers community <laughs>